On the podcast today, we are going to speak about chapter 32 of the Tao Te Ching, which makes up the 32nd chapter of the 81 meditations on the Tao Te Ching. And as usual, Guyang will read Jia Fu Feng and Jane English's translation, and I will read Derek Lin's translation. The Tao is forever undefined. Small, though it is in the unformed state, it cannot be grasped. If leaders could harness it, the 10,000 things would naturally obey. Heaven and earth would come together, and gentle rainfall. People would no longer need laws, and all things would take their course. Once the whole is divided, the parts need names. There are already enough names. We need to know when to stop. Knowing when to stop averts trouble. Tao in the world is like a river flowing home to the sea. The Tao, eternally nameless. Its simplicity, although imperceptible, cannot be treated by the world as subservient. If the sovereign can hold on to it, all will follow by themselves. Heaven and earth, together in harmony, will reign sweet dew. People will not need to force it. It will adjust by itself. In the beginning, there were names. Names came to exist everywhere. One should know when to stop. Knowing when to stop, thus avoiding danger. The existence of the Tao in the world is like streams in the valley into rivers and the ocean. This chapter again is about the eternal nature of the Tao. No surprises there, as this is Lao Tzu's favorite subject. <laughs> and also it's about how when we leave things alone, the Tao has a natural tendency to self-organize or to organize of itself. And this is an essential tenet of wei, of non-doing, non-reaction, non-interference. So to see the path of non-interference here, we allow things to self-organize. Yes. And here lots of mentions the leaders. Mm. Again, he mentions um, leaders throughout the Tao Te Ching. But here is you mentioned about organizing, the following the nature, which mm. the way of nature, which is the Tao. As he mentions that leader, how a leader should lead a nation or society, that again, not forcing things in its own way, like his or her way, always just following the way of nature, which is a way in Taoism. So only that way, a leader can bring the best out of people or best out of a nation because put, uh, the way of Tao always will bring out the potentiality of all things are without forcing it. Yes. That is why in the Warring States period of China, there are so many different philosophies and a lot of different great sages jockeying for higher positions because the leaders needed to be reformed. Everyone knew that. Confucius knew that. Lao Tzu knew that. Shunzi knew that. Zhuangzi knew that. They all knew that. Mozart. So there was a, a tendency to try and reform these leaders, which actually, you know, as we know, the Tao Te Ching has stood the test of time. So it applies to all people in all periods of time, now more so than ever. Well, I shouldn't say now so more than ever, but it applies to now as well yes. with the leaders in the world. But as we've always seen and as they noticed in the Warring States period is leaders are really stuck in their own way and they find it hard to follow this path of Uwe, mm. to follow 
just the way of nature and to, to allow things to happen of themselves. Uh, and some of them find it difficult because there are other leaders who have self-interest as well. And so then they're all jockeying for a higher position in the world, on the world stage. And then it comes up to the public as who, who can you trust and this and that. And in the end, you probably can't trust any of them. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, following a, particularly this chapter for a leader is very important. Understanding the nature of the Tao to self-organize. And, you know, they make an emphasis in this chapter to not only apply it to government but also apply it to ourselves where sometimes when our life is in turmoil when we just step back and allow our life to kind of organize itself without having to interfere with it we find there's a like a force there or a wisdom guiding our life and it's us who are unwise trying to organize our life mm. in the way that we think it needs to be organized yes um when we talk about leader here, the lots are always emphasize how a leader should be a sage, right? So leader should ought to become a sage before become leader, actually. Again, applying to ourselves, you, we should be a sage before trying to control our own life, right? Our situations or, yeah, our own life. And... It needs a lot of um, practice and study to be able to get uh, to that level of a sage. Mm. And that is how important it is. To, uh, before you we really trying to do anything, we need to look within and to be master of our own self or mind, really, before, before we're trying to force anything, just like uh, applying the same to a leader. Again, uh, the modern days of leaders are the same. Like, mm. um, what? Who can we think of? Someone who are actually a sage before a leader? You know, it's None. yeah, exactly. It's zero. So mm. uh, that's um, I mean, very sad reality <laughs> that we are living. But that is how it is. And again, we gotta take these uh, uh, lesson before anything. But that's always been the case with leaders. And there's actually a f famous passage in the Zhuangzi text talking about fasting the mind. I read a whole book about fasting the mind, ironically. And in the story, uh, Confucius plays a mouthpiece of Zhuangzi here as the sage. Other parts in the chap other parts in the Zhuangzi, uh, Zhuangzi criticizes Confucius, but in this uh, chapter, Confucius plays the mouthpiece of Zhuangzi. And Yan Wei, his disciple, wants to change a ruler in Wei, in a Western state. And he has all of these elaborate plans about making him pious and benevolent and so forth, about giving him the Confucian virtues, basically. Uh, and then Confucius, as Zhuangzi, shoots it all down and says, no, 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 you, you still are tr your mind is still your leader. You're still trying to force people into the way that you want them to be. You have a personal agenda yourself. Mm. And the core tenets of Taoism is if, if you have a, a core agenda yourself, or an own personal agenda, you're already starting from a wrong place because that's not how the world actually is. Yes. You've got to start from a place of emptiness, of equanimity, and then see what happens from there. And as to your point, 
that's what actually the leaders have to do. Mm. They have to empty themselves of everything and then, first of all, see if you want to lead anymore. Mm. And if you do want to lead, your type of leadership will be completely different. Yes. Because you won't have a personal agenda. You'll be able to see each and every situation with equanimity and act accordingly to those situations. Mm. It's kind of funny. I think that if you want to become a good politician or a leader, you should not be political. <laughs> That's kind of an yeah. ironic truth, though, I think. It really is. Mm. It really is. You need to get rid of that political mindset. That's ironic, right? But that's the fact of the matter. Mm. And the sad thing in the world today, particularly in the West, I don't want to say in the world, you know, we have a lot of this, Westerners have a lot of this Western-centric bias where they say the world because the West is like that. Let's say the West. In the West, particularly in North America, the average Joe and Jane are overly political. So that's where, the, where that part of the world is at at this present point in time. And so to your point is that we need to get rid of that political orientation and the tendency to be political. And so then you have to analyse what's the tendency to be political. Well, what it is is a way of uh, superimposing your own personal agenda onto the world based on your own conditioning. That's what it is, really. So even though you think you're pious and you're so political and you know the way for people, all you are doing is superimposing your own agenda on others based on your own conditioning. And the Tao Te Ching is a technology to dehypnotize yourself from that hypnosis. Mm. And that's part of the nature of this chapter is about emptying yourself of everything and allowing yourself to become a vessel for the Tao yes. where all the rivers run to. Mm. In this sense, all the Tao runs to you because you've emptied yourself of everything. And in Hinduism, they talk about this as well. Once you empty yourself of everything, the Dharma can use you then. Brahman can use you. It can move through you because you're an empty vessel. Mm -hmm. People often forget that how dangerous it is to just promote your own agenda, right? That's why things become very political. As you mentioned about our conditioning and socialization process that we all went through, and that made up our own opinion and mind and certain stance and things. And, and we often promote our own idea upon other many things, mm. but which is a very, very dangerous thing. That is why world is always in conflict with one another, right? Yeah. So only way out of it is to basically stop doing it, following the way of nature, just to, we just need to practice um, to leave things as they are, right? Yes. And start to try to try to see things as they are before we try to make some sort of mind up upon something, right? Yep. That is a start of the following this uh, path of Tao, path of Wu Wei. Relinquishing force is is a big part of Taoism. The relinquishment of force. Stop forcing your perspective on other people. Stop forcing your mentality and your agendas and your conditioning on others. And just allow the world to be as it will. And then other people will say to, to justify their own beliefs. But what if someone else does that? Well, are you going to contribute to more of that? Mm. It needs to start with you. You need to kind of grow up on the spiritual path and mature to take this information really on board, to take this knowledge really on board. And you and I have done a hundred plus podcasts talking mainly about these types of topics. 
And a lot of people take the message on board, but there'll be some people who grapple with the knowledge because they see certain things in the world that then gives them a reason to justify pushing their perspective on other people. You, you just can never do it. You can never do it. And that's what the great Eastern knowledge is about, particularly Taoism, is about dehypnotizing from you from that process, understanding that force itself is the problem. Yes. And it's interesting, and I've said this on the podcast many times, it's when you give up power, you get the kind of power you always wanted but you never knew existed, and that's what the Tao is. When you seek the low places, you you gain access to this power. As water seeks the lowest places, but as paradoxically the most powerful force in nature, likewise with us, when we seek the lowest place, or when we don't seek to push our perspective on the world, and we just are humble enough to allow the world to be as it is, then we have a great access to this great power. Mm. I mean, this is obvious to how people judge things as powerful that you need to be loud and you need to be physically big and, you know, like grow your muscles and, you know, all these things. But again, this actual reality is completely opposite, isn't it? When you uh, lower yourself, when you really give up your own agendas, then finally you gain the real strength, the real power from just the following nature, following the things as they are. Well, that's why it says in the chapter, right? It says in Jafu Feng and Jane English's translation about the small. Yes. Like the tiniest little thing you can think of. Like we're not talking about something grandiose. The most subtle aspect of reality mm. that we all miss. Yes. And we've spoken on previous chapters about forgetting the Tao, and that's what majority of people in the world do. They forget the Tao. They, they forget their fundamental nature because they've made their life so complex with names and, and uh, walking away from simplicity, attaching to an identity, all of these things that eclipse their actual true identity. Mm -hmm. But they're just missing that, that small, subtle aspect. And it's interesting because... You and I have been in uh, Tiruvannamalai in South India for a while now. And when you're around the holy mountain of Arunachala, it's, it brings people back to that subtle awareness where you're, you're constantly in more, in more contemplation, a lot more quiet. The environment is very conducive for that. And you don't miss that small. Mm. It's actually pretty prevalent in your life because the life here is so simple there's no starbucks there's no shopping mall you don't have access to lots of food you don't have you don't have the conveniences of the developed world but you you have access to something that the developed world is missing which is actually the essence of life mm. And that's a beautiful thing it's yeah it's it is a beautiful thing like we when we live in a developed world where everything is so accessible and convenient that we don't realize the simple things, the, uh, how important it is, right? Again, it sounds a bit cliche, but when you actually live in a place like Tiruvannamalai, you need to be happy with basically what you're given, <laughs> right? You don't get to pick and choose. 
but there's a beautiful thing about it. Yep. Then you kind of realize how much you've been missing out on these little things when you actually get to live this life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you get to fully being on the ground and you start to see things that you never get to pay attention to mm-hmm. in your um, in your country, in the developed world, usually. Yep. So, yeah, again, these... Um, these small things that you mentioned, which is uh, often inconceivable, it's the how that's how small that is. Although often we miss out a lot in developed world because we live very busy life, mm. right? Yep. But again, the small here in in that in this translation, the small though it is the unformed state, it cannot be grasped. Small though, yet it is the power, the most powerful, the highest reality or the force. And because it's so small and it's uh, often inconceivable, you can only get in contact with that small element when you become subtle and when you become really grounded. If you are always seeking for some sort of distraction or entertainment, you'll never be able to see it. Because it's hidden mm. somewhere, very subtle place, right? Yep. Just like in our consciousness, when we become much more refined and refined in process or of our own um, practice, then you get to be in that subtle state of mind. Then we're able to feel it, and when we then we're able to um, be in that reality, so that we can appreciate appreciate that small force. But that is everything, actually. That is the source of everything. And again, it, that's the uh, same thing in the Chandogya Upanishad. It mentions that the small as a grain of rice is the self, yet greater than all the worlds. That's the literal wor- words in uh, Chandogya Upanishad. Mm-hmm. So even that been mentioned. I mean, throughout the text of Upanishads, it mentioned how important it is. An uh, analogy of the little empty space within the apple seed, mm-hmm. which again, inconceivable, but it's there. And that is the self. Yep. And that is the Tao in this context. Yep. Mm. I remember Alan Watts once said, a simple question is like, did you forget? And people are like, what is he talking about? Did you forget the self? The most obvious thing, the Atman, the undifferentiated consciousness at your, the core of your existence. Yes. Which is analogous to another metaphor in the Upanishads where they crack the seed open and there's, there's the nothingness of, this, of the self. Yes. There's, there's the undifferentiated aspect of reality is there where everything else is form and we can give it a name. And look, we have given the self a name as well. We've given it Atman. We call Brahman and Tao. We have all of these terminology just as a reference point. It doesn't mean that we can define it uh, in, to its nth degree. Uh, we can call it undifferentiated consciousness. We can call it this and that. But we, we, ha- we have those words for that reason. But then we get caught up in, the, in and the, this chapter speaks about that, so much complexity of names. And then we lose sight of that reality, yes. that small reality, because mm. we, are, we are a representation of the Big Bang in the sense of our conscious awareness, mm. where when we're brought into this world as a child, 
and as they talk about in all the Eastern spiritual traditions, we have to return to that childlike innocence because when you're a child, you still have that connection of undifferentiated consciousness. You don't have this uh, perspective of cutting the world up into this and that, calling it all these sorts of names because you haven't learned the terminology yes. of the language or the culture that you're brought up in. And so what happens is as we grow, we are like the Big Bang where we gain all these words and we're going so far, 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 far away from our actual true source that we start to think the names and the concepts and the beliefs are actually what the world are and that's not what the world is at all. Yes. And so the Tao, like other spiritual traditions, is saying taper that back get rid of all of that. And it even says here, stop with the names. You need to know when we need to conclude that in all things, to know the Tao, we need to stop this yes. Yes. process yes. of naming. Yes. And so people will say, well, so do I go around then and not call this a microphone and not call this a table? And it's like, not... Obviously, that's not what it means. People take, they exaggerate and they take mm -hmm. things too far. You can use those as reference points, but don't confuse those with the ultimate reality of existence. And to Lao Tzu's point, it's not even about calling this a microphone or a table or this a cup. It's about when we start to name things, we build a conceptual framework that we can't see the world as it truly is. And that's what Maya is. Maya is the inability to see the world as it truly is because we're looking at the world through our concepts, through our conditioning, and we're saying this and that. We're saying, I like this, I don't like that. Based on my conditioning, this is what Maya is. It's, it's a measurement tool. It's, it's how we confuse our mind with reality itself. And so Lao Tzu is saying, we need to get out of these concepts and these beliefs and this conditioning, essentially, and then we can still call it a microphone and a cup and table. And it's more like what Tozan said in Zen. It's more like, you know, before practice, the mountain was the mountain, the sky was the sky. During awakening, the sky was the mountain, the mountain was the sky. But then after it, they both reorganized just to be in the mountain as a mountain and the sky as a sky because you've worked out the nature of reality. Mm. You're not confused with the names. You know that they just are there to represent certain things in reality, but you haven't confused them and clung to those names uh, and then believe that that's what the reality is. Mm. And so that's what we all do. We, we have this belief in the concepts and the beliefs that we have based on our conditioning, and that's what causes all the trouble in the world. And all we need to do is read the Tao Te Ching and realize that all we have to do is taper those names those concept that conceptual framework back to see the world as it truly is. I think more importantly, we need to apply that same principle to ourselves as well. Yep. We like to judge ourselves with a certain image, name, where you're from, um, how you look, mm. gender, and whatnot, right? Mm. But again, that is just a concept in our head, really. We are in actually not that right no. that's the whole point of this um, path right exactly. not only un unveiling this uh, material world but more so we also we need to uh, unveil ourselves looking ourselves beyond our name and 
physicality. Yeah. And we have, we've got to get out of that self-image we have of ourselves, to your point. It's based on our conditioning, based on the society that we're from, we get confused about our role in the world and then we think we need social approval from the society that is fundamentally sick. And then you become fundamentally sick because you're trying to appease that society. Mm. And so <clears throat> you need to get rid of these images out of your mind because <clears throat> they're confusing your mind with what the nature of reality is. This is why we do all sorts of things to ourselves. We don't allow ourselves to naturally be mm. how the Tao brought us into the world. You are naturally beautiful as you truly are. As you were from birth, that's, you are perfect. You don't need to upgrade yourself, add things to yourself, change certain things about yourself. That is a confused mind. You need to come back to the nature of reality and realize that you are perfect as you are and accept yourself as you are. The acceptance of ourselves of as, as we are is one of the diff most difficult things people find in the world, particularly in the developed world. Mm -hmm. When you're in the third world, third world in air quotes, uh, they don't have or they don't suffer from this problem because they accept themselves wholly as they are. And that's why you don't see... That's why you see people just as they are from when they were born. They just look, look older <laughs> in places like India where we are and this yes. and that. They're comfortable with that simplicity, you know. So, and that's what we can learn from uh, underdeveloped countries yeah. in, in the developed world. And so... As we've discussed in other chapters, the Tao nature is simplicity and plainness, mm. which ironically has the most power, even though it may not seem like much to people, but that's actually where the greatest energy and power comes from, when you align with that simplicity and that plainness. Yes. And in the complex world that we've created with concepts, names, forms, beliefs, we feel as though we are not good enough with that simplicity and plainness. So we need to upgrade ourselves. We need to do all sorts of things to ourselves, butcher ourselves to appease whatever you've fallen for that is socially acceptable. And that's not the way it is. I mean, just to quickly add that we watched a short um, video clip the other day how South Korea became a world-famous uh, capital of uh, plastic surgery mm. that's that fits perfect example <laughs> and korea which w w traditionally is a taoist country yes neo-confucian confucian buddhist taoist it's quite a shame like that is really sad to see that yeah yeah that mm. you feel mm. that you need plastic surgery or that you feel you're not good enough that's a society gone mad yes and if this the collective society around you has trained you to think you're not good enough, you have to question that society. And you have to put the motions in place to divorce from that sort of society yes. or that sort of way of thinking, I should say. But it's quite sad, right? Like, you're perfect as you are. And actually, when I see the finished product of a lot of people who have had plastic surgery, it doesn't look quite right. Yeah. Like what Maynard James Keenan from Tool said to Joe Rogan once, he said... You've done something to yourself <laughs> and it's not quite in sync yeah. with everything else. It doesn't suit your eyes. It doesn't suit your... Everything's out of balance. Mm. Holistically looking, it's out of, out of balance. It's out of whack. Yeah, it's, a <laughs> it's out of whack. 
naturally you should just gracefully grow old and 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 it's a beautiful thing exactly it's a beautiful thing growing old is not a bad thing people again cling to things so they cling to their youth or look how i used to look when i was younger that's the case for everyone (laughs) and no matter how much you butcher yourself by soaring your chin and and tightening your eyes and all of these things we are still going to know that you are old Mm. you're just an old person with tight skin that's all it is because we can see we can see that you've done something yeah and so you don't have to do any of that Mm. you're perfect the way you are you don't have to change anything about yourself exactly and so if you really want to come into harmony with the simplicity and the plainness of Tao. As you were saying before, we have to mimic that's in our own life because that's actually how we truly are. Mm. The society doesn't tell you that. Mm. They say that you're not good enough. Uh, actually, you should do things to yourself to better yourself in the society. And again, as I said, you need to put the steps in place to divorce from that sort of society. 100%. We are perfect and beautiful as we are, just like nature. And we are nature. All right, guys, thanks for watching, and we'll see you guys next time.